Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Martial Arts, Mixed Martial Arts, UFC 285 preview show starts now! <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been more excited to hear that music. The energy levels just through the roof. The vocals from the baddest dash at MMA. I got goosebumps right now because, ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived. For the last seven or so weeks, we have been waiting for this card to get here. And tomorrow night... T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. It is happening. UFC 285, the heavyweight championship on the line, the vacant title, Cyril Gaon, the former interim champ, takes on the returning former light heavyweight champion, the man with UFC championship victories totaling in the teens, the man many considered to be the greatest fighter of all time, John Jones, the first fight for Johnny Bones in over three years. What a card this is. Welcome to the UFC 285 preview show. I am Mike Tech. We got a crew here. We got Shaheen Alshadi. Very happy Suns fan joining us. We have my best friend, AK Lee, a very sad Raptors fan joining us. Gentlemen, as the great 80s band Europe said so famously, it's the final countdown. We are on the eve of this event. AK, let's just go ahead and knock this out now because personally, there have been specific fights, maybe a card that had a specific two or three fights that have gotten me excited over the last couple of years, but it has been a minute since I have felt this excited about a card. Not just one fight, not just two fights, not just three fights, but like 10 fights on a card. There is stakes, there is meaning, and they matter. We got this main event, we got storylines galore across this card. Main event has like 8,000 storylines. What is the gymnastic score for you for UFC 285? Because I would imagine it's pretty damn high. Yeah, listen, this is an easy. And remember, when we say gymnastic score, we're talking about degree of difficulty, like card potential based on degree of difficulty. That's the whole gymnastics score basis. So this is an easy 10.0. 
but I have to emphasize degree of difficulty because so what I'm saying is if everything goes great, we get great finishes, competitive fights, compelling storylines, it's a 10.0. And look, you look on paper, John Jones is back, uh, Shevchenko going for the eighth title defense, really nice main card, solid, very strong prelims, prospects on the prelims, on the early prelims. All the makings are there for, for an excellent card. But, what I, but the degree of difficulty is really high because a lot could go wrong too. This main event is not like a surefire fight of the night, like five-round war. What we know from both guys, the, the way they fight is – we'll break it down more I, I know in depth in, in a moment. Uh, it, it could be like a methodical five-rounder. That's not the most crowd-pleasing fight. The same with uh, the co-main event, Shevchenko. Great fighter, has had some very uh, exciting fights, has had some great finishes. She has a couple of tile defenses that I think are totally forgettable. And based on this matchup, it could certainly go that route. So you could right off the bat, I'm saying if the two, if the top two fights in the card don't deliver, like don't deliver the excitement, it's going to leave a bitter taste in people's mouths, regardless of how the rest of the card goes. So like so, when I say degree of difficulty, I mean the emphasis on the word difficulty. A lot could go wrong. I'm the friends of positivity. That's why the difficulty set at ten. If everything goes well, we could have one of the best cards of the year. I think the pay per view slate for the UFC has been pretty good. Um, even even the the. The Makhachev Volkanovsky card, which I, I get it didn't have a lot of star power. I thought on paper was still a pretty decent card. Um, this is leagues above that. So listen, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's a 10. If it doesn't live up to it, it, it wouldn't surprise me because, again, a lot of things can go wrong. A lot of things can go wrong. But um, I will I will definitely start there and uh, we'll start taking points off as, as the night goes along. We'll see. Sean, John Jones is back. Tomorrow night, knock on wood, he will make the walk to the octagon. And I have to knock on wood because this is John Jones and anything can happen with this man. But you can't deny that he brings a certain aura, a certain attitude, a certain confidence to his fight weeks that is just sort of unmatched in a lot of ways, Sean. And, and you've probably been boots on, a, on the ground for a few of these. But after oh, yeah. three years away and so many questions and the new weight class, et cetera, does this feel like a John Jones fight week to you, Shaheen? Like, is this the story picking up where it left off or does it feel bigger less than what do you think it feels bigger it absolutely feels bigger i mean you're right i've been in a lot of john jones fight weeks over the course of my career and towards the end uh of you know whatever the light heavyweight run that he was on it really didn't feel like much right like i i was there for all of those fights the anthony smith fight uh, the Dominic Reyes fight, the Tiago Santos fight. None of those fights felt meaningful. None of them felt big. Didn't feel as if John was very excited to be there on all of those different weeks. And it kind of, the whole thing, I don't know if it played out is the right word, but it, the whole thing felt like we were just kind of going through the motions at that point in sort of this man's career and just where this whole road had taken us. Uh, but as, as the phrase goes, distance makes the heart grow fonder, right? Like we have not seen John Jones for three years now, and he has been a constant shadow over the course of the 205-pound division and, and the heavyweight division over the over this whole entire time as we've been waiting to see how this was all going to play out. There's so many questions coming into this. This is by far, to me, the most intriguing fight that we have on the schedule for 2023. It always was going to be because, as Casey and I know, putting together that video we did earlier this week, we've been waiting for this moment, for this moment right here tomorrow on Saturday. We've been waiting 11 years for this. Like this man was in 2012 saying, I'm moving to heavyweight next year. I'm moving to heavyweight at the end of 2020, at 2013. 
this was always going to happen. Like his destiny ultimately was always going to wind up at heavyweight because that's just how, how these things sort of go, right? We see a longtime champion dominating a weight division for X number of years, and eventually we we crave for more. We want to see them test themselves. We want to see them challenge themselves. We've been waiting so long for this. It, it, it it's it's the I would say the moment's a little tiny bit diminished. The fact that it's not Francis, uh, that fight to me was one of the greatest fights just in the like mentally to think about in MMA history, just thinking about John and Francis. But what we have is certainly a very, very good, uh, you know, replacement, right? Like John Jones, Cyril gone. It's a different type of fight. It seems as if it's going to be a much more technical type of fight. The way these two guys' styles match up is very different from John and Francis, but it is still just as intriguing because there is also the specter out there that I think people don't want to mention and people don't want to think about, which is the idea and the reality really that John Jones hasn't looked like John Jones in a long time, right? Like we have to go back five years for the Gustafson rematch to the last time John Jones really looked like John Jones. And maybe that's a motivation issue, or maybe it's just, you know, the thing that no one wants to say, this guy kind of peaked. Like you only have so many years at the top and he's 35 years old. He's been doing this for a long time. Youngest champion in UFC history. He, he was in this game very, very young. Maybe we've seen the best from John Jones or maybe he just wasn't motivated. There are so many questions that have to be answered tomorrow on Saturday. And I'm so obscenely psyched for it and so excited for it because for all the faults this man has, and he certainly has a lot of faults in his personal life. He is nonetheless one of the two greatest fighters in the history of the sport. Right now, I would put him behind George St. Pierre, but regardless, he is in that one-two conversation. It's a LeBron James, Michael Jordan type of conversation of whatever you want to put ahead of him. There's an argument for either guy. And this is it. Like This is the one that will push John into that undisputed number one spot. If he is able to win the UFC heavyweight title, become only the third man in the history of the UFC to become a light heavyweight champion and a heavyweight champion behind Daniel Cormier and Randy Couture, and then actually just stay around this division and be his dominant self, I don't know how you can argue for George St. Pierre at that point. Like It will be John Jones as the all-time GOAT, and those type of stakes... Those type of historical stakes are not things we get very often, fellas. Like this is something people have been waiting for for so long, and I'm so excited for it. AK, I have another question for you, but I want to I go back to what Shaheen just said. Do you agree with that? If John Jones beats Cyril Gaon tomorrow, no matter how he does it, is he the dude? Like, is he straight up number one? Is this enough to put him over George St. Pierre? Because there's there's two different sides of the coin. You either have John there right now. Or you have GSP there right now, and it's going to take John to doing something special to have him jump over GSP. And it also depends on how you look at the list. Is there asterisks? Is there not? Do you care about that stuff? Do you not care about the PED stuff? But if he beats Aragon tomorrow, is he the greatest of all time unequivocally in your mind? Uh, man, that's hard to say. I, I, I'm trying to think the last time I made a list. I think when I was working for another website, I did have to do sort of the greatest UFC fighters of all time list. And my top four, my top five was something to the effect of obviously John Jones in there, Anderson Silva, GSP, I think Fedor, I think was still in there. And at the time, Jose Aldo, this would have been obviously well before sort of um, Habib kind of came up and maybe put himself in the conversation. Uh, oh, uh, DJ, maybe I would have DJ instead of Fedor. Anyway, that was the top five, six. In, in some order, those names. Um, does the win? Does a win over Cedil Gone 
make him undisputed. Uh, I'll say that I don't. For me, he's already done enough to be considered the number one pound for pound. So as, as you kind of touched upon, some people already have him there. This would just cement it for some people. And I have him no lower than two for sure. Again, as Shaheen kind of said, uh, his prime was just so ridiculous uh how good he looked the competition he faced i hate this narrative people kind of going back and just going like oh all these people were just middleweights and these people were past their prime and uh there's some degree of truth to these criticisms but to say he wasn't beating elite top of the top competition in his division at the time uh while he was the champion is just completely untrue so i don't mind people like you know uh you know, doing a deeper look at who he beat, but to say that, but the, he beat a lot of great fighters and he beat a lot of them in an impressive fashion. Um, so that run alone, like you said, already even discounting the Cedal Gone thing, uh, whatever happens on Saturday to say, it's kind of already enough. Uh, how much does the strength in this case for, for me? Let me put it this way if, if John Jones isn't your number one already, I don't know if him beating Cedal Gone should make should necessarily like put it over the top like for sure it's like oh well now 100 percent um depending how he does it it, it would definitely matter I, I don't we'll go to our predictions soon but if if he like submitted him in the first round or man imagine like knocked him out that would be pretty crazy it would be hard for me not to tell people like well that's that's the case that's what does it if it's a close decision um and he still gets out of win it'll be impressive but again for people who want to put other people number one Anderson Silva, Demetrius Johnson, GSP, whoever it may be. Uh, I don't think you're necessarily it necessarily puts you in a position where you have to be like, okay, well, I can't deny John now. I, th- I think uh, he has to, he'd have to beat Seal a certain way. And even then, even then, I do think the Francis win. That's really what would have done it. With respect to Cyril, who I think is a phenomenal heavyweight. I think when his when his career is done, will go down. Probably is one of the five best heavyweights uh, in, in, to do it. I think he has a lot of time left in his career, so we'll see what he does going into this uh, in this fight and after this fight the the francis win would meet would have meant a lot more for me uh in that case i would have said if he beat francis then you're really like hey you can't you guys you know you you can't put john any lower than two in your discussion now i now regardless of what happens saturday i i still think there's room for for people to say gsp demetrius shots whoever, whoever their choice may be so uh i don't mean to poo poo on the 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 weight of this matchup it still it still means a lot, but it's not quite what we what we could have uh, what we wanted, and also um, what would have been even more impactful for John Jones's uh, pound for pound all time legacy. Well, let me let me clarify just really quickly uh, because I don't I don't think that an unequivocal like unequivocally a win puts him in that position. I think that becoming a UFC heavyweight champion and then continuing to be John Jones in this division, winning a couple fights at that mm. point, it's pretty inarguable, right? Like at that, that's what it feels like where that's the place it feels like we're at, where if John is able to really continue being the person that we know him to be in this second division at that point, he, I, I, I have no choice. Like he has to be the greatest fighter of all time. Fair enough. You know what, AK Shaheen mentioned, we're going to talk about the questions here. We're going to talk about the questions that we've been thinking about for weeks and I, I figured John Jones moving up to heavyweight and what he would look like, the size, how that transfers. Will he move like a light heavyweight or will he move like a heavyweight? I did not think at all that John's heavyweight physique would be this much of a story this week. It's become the biggest story of the week. The UFC puts out this photo of John Jones without a freaking shirt on. <laughs> 
and the world just goes bananas. And I don't know what people were expecting, but they expecting William Knight to come walking through that door in Las Vegas <laughs> because that is just ridiculous. But I thought he looked pretty darn good on the scale this morning, AK. A lot more flattering than maybe that UFC pose photo. That whole thing wasn't really like a huge concern to me when I saw the photo. I was wondering what he what he would look like when it mattered, when he stepped on the scale, and I thought he looked pretty good. But are you surprised that the story became what it was? And how do you think he looked this morning, AK? I'm not surprised at all. I I, I, I was late to to react. I didn't react to it, but I was late to see the reactions. I was probably off of social media just for, you know, as everyone should be, by the way, get off social media for many stretches of the day, if you can, you know, unless it's your, it's work related and you have to be on, that's fine. But if you can avoid being on social media, take time away. That's what I was doing. So I missed the initial burst of reactions. Um, but no, it doesn't surprise me at all, Mike. It doesn't surprise me. People see pictures, clips in any sport, but a lot in MMA completely taken out of context. There's no history. How many times do I see like clips where of, uh, of a, a random highlight from like 2004, some kickboxing contests and people going like, this is the sickest knockout I've ever seen. Whoever this was would beat, you know, would beat freaking Israel Adesanya. And it's just like, again, they don't know who the fighters are. It's a random clip. That's how social media is. That's how the internet is. That's how uh, news moves these days. So when it's something actually, you know, actually sub- somewhat substantial like this, an official PR photo from the UFC, then I could get it. I can get why people would jump on it. But for sure, for, like Fazeko, I didn't think he looked bad. He didn't look super shredded or as cut as people thought. But listen, th- there's the reality was always going to be somewhere between what people saw in that picture. And also kind of what he was like posting on Instagram. I think people are are looking back like when he first started making the move to heavyweight yay years ago and started putting stuff on Instagram, showing off his weightlifting. He was freaking like super shredded and jacked and everyone was like, oh man, John Jones, the heavyweight is going to be a killer. And it's like, that wasn't the reality either. You got to understand that that was also him. It's sort of, you know, his most vascular and pumped up and that's, and he's probably, you know, that wasn't really a fighting shape. That was him literally just kind of bodybuilding, putting out weight. And then, you know, when it's time to get into fight shape, this is closer to what he's going to look like. And on fight night, it's going to look different. Guess what? He's not going to look like the picture you guys saw this week. He's not going to look like his Instagram posts. It's going to be somewhere in between. E- even even the weigh-ins today, when he flexed, of course, he looked muscular. When he didn't flex, he looked like, you know, John Jones with a little bit of weight on him. So people shouldn't, should definitely not put too much stock into just judging his physique. He's still an incredible athlete. He's not quite as cut, of course, as a Cedil Gan. Cedil is a natural heavyweight. Uh, that's just the way his frame is. Yes, so he just looks much more muscular, a little more, you know, a, a, a little more bodybuilder like. Um, but make no mistake, John Jones is a top shelf athlete. I mean, if you want to find a comparison, uh, you know, people make fun of Daniel Cormier all the time. Daniel Cormier is also, as Jed and I would say, a plus athlete. Um, and I want to discuss this a little more further, a bit more when we talk about the matchup. But uh, yeah. The, your amount of muscular does not dictate your explosiveness does not dictate how you're going to move in the cage he's going to look a lot like the old john jones uh in there on, on saturday how well will he actually perform again we can continue to discuss that's that's another question how well is he going to fight how well is he going to perform against city Gan is another question but i think he's going to move around he's going to move around okay this whole conversation so, so yeah. sorry to interrupt. this whole conversation <laughs> is so hilarious because just like the greatest heavyweight of all time is fedor who looks like a plumber, like even in his prime, that dude looks like a bartender. Like the whole physique conversation is so funny to me. We just saw, look, listen, Todd Duffy is one of the most physically impressive heavyweights I've ever seen. We just saw him get smoked by Phil DeFreeze in like, I mean, yes, Todd Duffy beat him the first time they fought, but they just fought recently. Phil DeFreeze, listen, he's a guy in good shape. The legend Phil DeFreeze, you put some respect on that. Not a bodybuilder by any means, a, a fine athlete, not a bodybuilder by any means, and he just trucked Todd Duffy. So heavyweight of, of all the divisions for sure, physique means... 
I don't want to say it means little because again, we just you know we have Francisco, we got Cito gone, we have some well, great fighters. Yeah, that's the thing is we were spoiled by Francis, frankly, right? Like that. I think for the Francis being champion and looking like he did really warped. I think a lot of people's perceptions <laughs> of what a heavyweight sure. champion looks like because even you go back, Cain Velasquez definitely never looked like Francis, right? Like a lot mm-hmm. of these guys don't look like that. Uh, Francis was an anomaly in that way. There's just so many questions here on both sides, Shaheen. So many on the John Jones side. And honestly, there should should probably be more on the Cyril Gaon side. But this whole week, Cyril is like the Ed McMahon in the John Jones show right now. He's just flying under the radar. He's picking his spots. But he's kind of staying out of the spotlight altogether. But he's a part of the show. He's doing a great job. He's just like, yeah, Boomy, I don't care. He already went through the Derek Lewis fight week in Houston, so none of this bothers him at all. And outside of just doing a press conference and weighing in, like he's completely off the radar. It's the John Jones show, and it has been since he got to Vegas. But at this point, a day before this fight, Shaheen, if you could pick one question on either side that fascinates you the most heading into tomorrow, what would it be? Or what would they be? To me, it's simple. Is John Jones still John Jones? That's that's frankly that's what this entire fight is all about. That's what it, this entire buildup is all about. That's what these three years have been about. Because he did not. I, I hate to repeat myself, but he did not look like John Jones when last we saw him. I think a lot of us feel like Dominic Reyes won that fight, and frankly, he didn't look like John Jones since the rematch against Gustafson, which was 2018. At this point, five years ago, John has been away for so long that the image of those last few fights seems to have left a lot of people's heads. And it's just very exciting, obviously to see him back. One of the greats of all time, but just again, he has not looked like himself in so long. And whether that's a motivation issue, whether that is just the natural decline of a fighter who has been doing this since he was, you know, a teenager, uh, that to me is the most intriguing part of all of this, because John for, for all, you know, like, I, I know the narratives throughout his career have been sort of like, hey, you know, he was he was too big for his opposition. He was sort of this supersized light heavyweight who was trucking these dudes who, you know, were just much smaller than them. And, and maybe that's true to some degree. But also the, the revisionist history that goes on with John Jones' resume is pretty bizarre to me because you look back at those names, the, look back at that run that he had in 2008, 11, 12, 13 of Shogun, who of Lyoto, Rashad, Rampage, like every single UFC champion before John Jones, John Jones crushed him. Like he, John Jones came up and just basically ended an entire era of dudes that we all consider to be legends. And he did it in succession. Like we cannot over, uh, overstate how, how ridiculous this man was in his prime. And that's what's so intriguing to me is whether he is able to put together another almost like post-prime run to, to in this way where we saw Daniel Cormier really reinvent himself at heavyweight and put together, add an aspect to his legacy that we didn't know was going to be there, right? Becoming UFC heavyweight champion, defending that belt, becoming that guy who was a legitimate two-division champion. I want to see if John Jones can get there. I really do. Because if he can, we're looking at the most incredible career we've seen. AK, where are you at? Do you, do you, do you have a Cyril Gaon question? Because I feel like nobody's I answering don't. the Cyril Gaon question. Oh, I do right, actually. So I, I, no, I, do, okay. I do actually. No, I do actually. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. But for Jones, uh, disinterest or decline? I mean, we, we it's I, I think it's the biggest question a lot of people have. And again, Shaheen has mentioned it. Uh, it was certainly brought up in the, in the great video you did with Casey. Is it dis- Was it disinterest or decline? 
uh, hashtag that one, folks. Put that one out there on Twitter for me, please, and uh, give me give me <laughs> AK a hat tip. Because I, I, listen, that if you if you're John Jones mentally, that's absolutely the angle you have to tell yourself. It's like, listen, I was disinterested when I fought Dominic Reyes. I was disinterested when I fought Tiago Santos. I, I didn't. I did not. They were not compelling challengers to me, and I and I just I just couldn't motivate myself to get to that level that I know I can get to. Um, and now that I've taken this time off, like mentally, I'm rejuvenated, and I'm, I've got a new challenge. It's heavyweight championship fight right out of the way seal gone one of the best heavyweights in the world i i'm newly motivated uh but yes he is 35 years old this is we're a long ways away from prime john jones physically even if again he's he's mentally in the right place physically it's it's impossible there's no way he can be the same guy a lot of mileage on there too this is 35 years old with like 12 fight years against the best of the best competition training you know at the highest possible level you can and even for a super gifted athlete like him it's going to take its toll on you so uh i I said i don't know which direction i'm leaning but that is my question for jones was it really disinterest or are we seeing natural decline of an athlete and a guy who on one hand it's good he hasn't been in camps and things you know for the last three years it's that can only be good for your health but also, man, you just you're gonna lose a lot of sharpness just not being not being uh, in action and training for uh, actively training for fights and things like that. So I, I really don't know. I see some people shouting decline in the in the comments. So uh, I haven't made up my mind just yet. For Cyril, it's and again, it's sort of a John Jones related question. Is is, is he? I, I kind of throw this back to you guys. Is is Cyril the most athletic opponent John Jones has fought? I mean, Daniel Cormier. Daniel yeah, Cormier's right. up there for sure. Like like DC, for you people can say whatever they want about DC, mm-hmm. but DC was like a world class athlete. Very on explosive. A different level as most Very people. Explosive. Yeah. Uh OSP is a great athlete. Dominic um, Reyes, too. Dominic Reyes, yes. I should I should yep. have said Dominic Reyes first because that is a guy who he could who athletically was quite the match for him. And again, as we've said multiple times, many would argue he lost that fight. I I had it for Reyes. Uh, a lot of people did, and I think athleticism was a big part of that. I, I, people are wondering, like, man, what, why did Reyes like decline after? Um, and it's not just the quality of points he's faced; it's it's that listen, he was in many ways like the perfect matchup for Jones at that point of his career. Um, and then after that, listen, Jan Blahovich and Yuri Prochka, guys like that, just didn't doesn't match up as well. But as far as like matching Jones for athleticism, yeah, Dominic Reyes, Daniel Cormier, and I, I would say now Cedil gone. So. So would you put Gone above either of those two? I, I'm tempted to do it. I'm tempted to. I do think Gone is one of the best athletes we've ever seen at heavyweight. But those are two good examples, though. Um, uh, Dan Cormier at heavyweight, light heavyweight, of course, and uh, uh, Dominic Reyes at, at light heavyweight. So I don't know. But that's a big question for me. I, I do wonder – not to say, by the way, that all of Jones' success is due to athleticism because that's not the case. We, we've said many times his in-cage IQ is one probably – nearly unmatched uh it's right up there with gsp and whatever other you know brilliant fighters you want to throw up there uh, again in cage iq outstanding um he's a very skilled fighter but that athleticism and strength advantage when you when you when you put it together with all those uh with his uh his his, his, his skills i mean man that's kind of what made him so unstoppable so if you take away that athleticism advantage and that strength advantage and that size advantage with a guy like Cyril, um how much of that pro- of a problem is that going to be and i i think it's gonna be a big problem I mean, even just the timeline of all of this is is crazy, right? Because like you look at Cyril Gaon, man was like six years away from even making his MMA debut when all of this even started, right? Like John Jones was already a legend, one of the goats, uh, uh, probably the best light heavyweight ever when Cyril Gaon was even con- 
contemplating what MMA even is. Like, like the the length that this man has been doing this at this point is, is just wild to think about. And in regards to questions for for this matchup on Cyril's side, it's I think a lot of people are taking away from the Francis fight the wrestling aspect of it, right? And then they can they, that feels like something John can emulate. But in doing so, you are comparing John Jones to Francis Ngannou, and that to me feels like. I don't know if those two are equivalent just in terms of the of the sheer types of wrestling that would be coming into this, right? Because Francis is just such an overpowering man. Like John Jones, we saw today, uh, what was he, 248, something like that. And I don't know that that's like, like is is he a Brit, like a muscled up 248? Is all of that good weight? It's hard to say right now. But Francis Ngannou is what, like 270? Like when he's going in the cage, he's like 275. Like he's a gigantic man. And that the power difference when it comes to that wrestling and being able to stifle somebody and really put them in those positions, that just strength and muscle difference is 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 very significant. And also, I mean, Cyril said it this week in terms of just like being surprised, right? Like you go into a fight with Francis Ngannou, I don't think you're doing a lot of defensive wrestling in that camp. Like I can understand where that man's coming from in that regard of well, this is not what we prepared for at all. We didn't expect Francis Ngannou to come in here shooting doubles and singles on us all night. Like that that, that type of adjustment mid-fight is, is maybe a hard one to make in that circumstance when you spend three months preparing for the punch of death from the hardest puncher it seems like we've ever seen in the sport. So I think the reality of Cyril knowing that Francis or that John watched that fight, right? John's coming into this probably feeling like his wrestling is going to be the big key here. Cyril knowing that for the months that he's had to prepare for that, that to me is a different element than just saying, hey, Francis wrestled him, so John's going to wrestle him. Yeah, I, and just some interesting things that you both said that, like going back to conversations I had are just even more fascinating now. Like Ferdinand Lopez saying that, hey, when John Jones won his first title, Cyril Gunn didn't even know what MMA was. Like That's not that he was like, he didn't crazy. even know what it was. Like he had no idea that this was even a thing in the world, which is just nuts to think about. And then John Annick's burning question, which I thought was really interesting. is like, John is just so cool, always finds a way to come through even when the pressure is on him. But John believes there's just more, there might be more pressure on John Jones heading into Saturday than there has ever been ever in his entire career. And somehow, even when the pressure stacked upon him, he's just so calm and cool when he walks to the octagon. And whether they're the greatest performances ever, whether he just runs a dude over, or he ekes out a controversial decision, John finds a way to win, no matter how much the pressure stacked on top of him. This is a sport where you can only do that for so long and kind of escape that fire. Can he do it again? Can he do it again? There's just so many questions in well, regards to this fight. Let me let me ask you, Mike, because I, I love the point that you just brought up when it comes to what Ferdinand said about John having the most pressure on him that he has ever had in this really lengthy 15-year career that we've seen hit from him, right? Because to me, that actually feels very apt. That feels correct, and, and I don't know if – a lot of people are seeing it that way and framing it that way, but you know what we do in MMA when it comes to the discourse, right? Like you under, like we all understand how this community feels 
when it comes to fighters losing, when it, how, how this community reacts, when it comes to legends losing, it, Fedor Emelianenko loses one fight, two fight, three fight, and all of a sudden he's out of every conversation ever when it comes to, the, to you know, whatever we want to talk about. Jose Aldo, if he would have retired in the midst of his UFC run right before the Conor fight, we would look at him in such a historically different way in the way that we look at Habib Nurmagomedov, right? Because Habib left on top. He left with that perfect record unblemished, and we never actually saw him fall we never saw him struggle in there and so we consider him a different way uh if john jones goes in there and gets overpowered or just generally beaten by cyril gone who i think we can all agree is the number two heavyweight in the world he's not even number one the revisionism that will go on from uh, uh you know the fan base i think half the fan base right now probably hasn't even seen john jones fight because there's so many new fans from the pandemic and he's not fought since the pandemic and then just the other half is like these the way this sport works and the way combat sports works is just people wait for that one moment to leap and, pr- and prey on someone and say, hey, I knew it. I knew it this whole time. You were a, a two supersized light heavyweight who was just beating up smaller dudes and middleweights and et cetera, et cetera. And the moment you met somebody your size, you struggled with it. We all know that's exactly what will happen if he loses to Cyril God. So to me, there is an immense level of pressure on John Jones because his whole reputation his whole legacy everything that he has built over these 15 years is predicated on the idea that he has not been beaten like you can you can throw out matt ham all you want but we all understand we have eyes this man has not been beaten in the octagon and that everything about that changes if cyril goes in there and at this point i guess with the odds pulls off the upset right like we we consider john jones in a different way from that point on uh, just naturally, just a, as human beings, a, a, as fans of this sport, he will have a different legacy if he falters on Saturday. And to me, that is so ridiculously compelling because we are looking at the one guy, we're talking about the one guy in the heavier divisions ever who has just kept this untouched sort of perfect run in cage, right? And the, and the funny thing is, like, should it be that way? Because to sort of bring it back to the, the pound for pound and the all-time great discussion, whatever, is like, so I, I had said earlier, I don't think a win affects that much. For me personally, I don't know, and you're right, Shaheen, I, I, I'm talking about myself. I'm not saying how people receive it. You're 100% right. It's going to make people retroactively judge the rest of it, just like it did with Fedor. We did the Fed, we did a lot of Fedor talk recently, and we we're talking about like, man, if Fedor had just retired after, uh, which win? Like, the, what, the Crow Cop fight or... No, after the Arlovsky fight. The, the Arlovsky fight. Sorry, the, yes, the, the, the affliction error. If you, uh, the Arlovsky fight, the Tim Sylvia win, we wouldn't even be talking about like, uh, oh, oh does, is he really the greatest? He would still be undisputed. He, he walked away at the right time. If John Jones, let's say, never fought again and retired after the, the Dominic Reyes fight, I mean, yeah, it wasn't the highest note to go out on, but – we, you know, we for most for the most part, people will still just say based on his light heavyweight run, his resume, he is the goat or the number two goat, the number three goat. He's in that top three no matter what. If he has a lack, of, so like I personally don't think, I don't think a win and I don't think a loss Saturday should affect his legacy that much. But I understand that it will. I understand that it will. I, I, when I'm talking about pound for pound legacies, I'm generally just looking at like peak. I look at your peak and you can add to it. You know, you can add to it. Just like GSP. If GSP had lost to Michael Bisping uh, at uh, two seven, UFC 217 and never become the middleweight champion, I'm, I'm still not taking him out of the top three of the pound for pound. But he was able to add to his legacy. So it was only gravy for him to go back and win that title. How much does it add to it? I don't know. That's debatable. I thought a lot. Other people might disagree. Um, but yeah, it is funny. It is funny that just by taking these these chances, it, it it's supposedly going to affect their uh, – how we look at their career in its entirety, which is 
fair. I guess you have to, but also for me, when I'm just talking about all-time greatness, I'm really, really just looking at peak. But we'll see. We'll see if he can add. I, I think there's room to add, and uh, for me, not necessarily to take away. Well, currently, according to our friends at DraftKings, like Shaheen sort of referenced, Cyril Gaon opened as the favorite. But very quickly, John Jones became the favorite, and he remains just that. Minus 155, the comeback on Cyril Gaon, plus 135. Sean, how is this night going to end tomorrow? It will be John Jones winning another title, or will it be what's going on with John Jones? Where does he go from here? Because he just lost to Cyril Gaon, and I can't believe it. Oh, man. I was I was dreading this moment because I'll be honest with you. When this fight, when the when I'll, I'll walk through my process, right? When, John, when this fight sort of materializes first and it's Francis Ngannou, I was going to pick Francis. I felt like Francis was just too big. He was just too overwhelming of a physical pre- presence to be able to – for John to be able to do John's type of thing, especially with, if John is the guy that we saw in the last three fights of his. Uh, but now Cyril Gaon presents such a vastly different challenge. He doesn't have – to the to nearly to the degree the one punch power right like he is very much still a knockout artist but he doesn't have that way that death touch that Francis has that changes the the dimensions of this and also the wrestling aspect and everything like that when this fight first was booked I was leaning towards Cyril Gone as we have gotten closer and you dig back into what John has done and remembering who this man is and seeing him and seeing you know how how good of spirits he seems to be in and how confident his confidence his confidence. You, you just feel it radiating off him, right? Like it, it's hard not to see that and feel a certain way of like, okay, maybe I, I should rethink what I'm thinking here. This is one of the greatest we've ever seen. Midweek, I was probably leaning back towards Jones. If you give me like a Wednesday, Thursday pick, I was probably going to pick Jones. Ultimately, I think I've come back around and I will take Cyril gone by decision. And maybe that's going to look really stupid tomorrow night to pick against one of the greatest talents we've ever seen now that he seems to be motivated in, in this different chapter of his life. But to me, it just I just keep going back to one thing, and it's something I've said twice now already on the show, which is John Jones has not looked like John Jones since 2018. That is five years. That is a lifetime in combat sports. I just need to see it. I need to see that he that that man is still the man that he once was. And maybe I'm just going to end up being completely wrong. But until I see it, it is hard for me to put my faith in it because really, I again, I picked I, I had Dominic Reyes winning that fight. I, John did, hasn't looked good in such a long time. And this is such a vastly different challenge. And he has struggled, whether you want to say it or not, he has struggled with guys his size over the course of his light heavyweight career. Cyril Gaon's a monster. We saw it today at Wayne's. Dude is as much of a natural heavyweight as you could get with with the movement that very few heavyweights have. I think Cyril Gaon takes it by decision, and maybe that looks really stupid on Saturday, but that's where I end up. I don't know if there really is a, like a pick that could be quote-unquote stupid on this fight when there's so many unknowns here. But AK, how's the night going to end? What are we going to be talking about on the post-fight show? A Cyril Gaon win or a John Jones win or maybe a draw, AK? Are you willing to take that risk? Shaheen kind of nailed in the head saying, I need to see how Jones looks first. But but we're taking this, we're but we're coming at it from different angles. Cause he he needs to see, you know, the old John. He needs to see that John Jones can still fight like he did against, you know, the two Cormier fights against against uh Rashad Evans, Lyota Machida, Grampit. He wants to see that version, you know, or, or even the Gustav, the second Gustafson fight, you know, that version of John Jones. Um, but for me, it's a little bit the opposite. I need to see him definitively lose 
I was just gonna say I was gonna say just lose, but I'm gonna say definitively because I again I think we can all agree we we kind of saw what a John Jones loss looks like. You, even if whether you scored the fight for race or not, it, it certainly looked like he lost. Uh, uh, watching that fight live, uh, I've re- like I said I've watched it live. I thought he lost. When I rewatched it, I I still thought he lost. I think a lot of people feel the same way. So they you've kind of seen it. You've kind of seen it, but does, but it certainly wasn't definitive. And I, I I I do consider that fight to be a robbery, um, but it, it was still, you know, it, it, I, only because I couldn't find three rounds for Jones. That that's really it. But to say like Reyes like dominated him is where I would draw the line. I think he clearly beat him. To say he dominated him is where I draw the line. So I need to see. I don't know if I need to see Cyril dominate him, but I'm saying I I just feel I haven't felt like Jet Jones has been completely lost, um, even when he's looked bad in there. So I need to, I I don't believe it yet. I just don't believe that he can lose um, just because I haven't seen it. So I, I know it's been three years since he fought, as Shane said, five years since that since that finish of Gustafsson when he really, really looked like completely unbeatable. So I understand that. But again, I'm just it's so hard for me to pick against a guy who just just hasn't had that really, really like obvious, like brutal misstep yet. We've seen. We've seen uh, lackluster performances. We've seen boring performances. We've seen performances that really, like you know, disappointed us that we thought he could do more. But I just don't think we've seen him completely just flame out. Um, so until I see that, until I see him really, really, really get beat, I'm gonna pick Jones every time. Uh, but I've waffled on this maybe 50 times since this fight was announced. I think I think like uh, I think I unlike Gene. I think I was Jones first, and then I started leaning towards Gone and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You read stuff, you listen to podcasts, you just look at the fight yourself, you watch the footage. Um, so it's 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 really impossible to make a strong call. But I will lean towards Jones until I see until he actually loses a fight, like loses officially loses a fight. I'm probably leaning in in his direction every time. Let me let me just add one more quick one too because mm-hmm. I think one aspect that I forgot to mention that has sort of swayed me just a tiny bit is I'm old enough to remember the last time we went through a cycle of hey John Jones has become a power lifter John Jones <laughs> is lifting all these crazy weights John Jones is looking muscled up as hell and that was when he was on his his one of his many you know breaks if you want to call them suspensions before the OSP fight and he goes into the OSP fight and he's gained all this muscle size in size and everything. And then that fight played out in a way that I don't think any human being on the planet has rewatched John Jones versus Ovin St. Prue. That's a, a horrifically bad fight. Uh, just to, to entertainment-wise, it just nothing happened. And John since then has talked about how he felt so uncomfortable with that extra weight and bringing all of that was a mistake. And he it just his body wasn't used to that. And I this is that times ten, right? Like this is him bringing in far more weight than he has ever brought into the cage. And if he was uncomfortable at that size, I do have questions about how comfortable he's going to be at what, 248. Like that is such a different world than going to the cage, you know, weighing at 205 and then going to the cage at like 220 or 225. Like these are completely different conversations. And it's hard for me to get that out of my head too, because I was at that OSP fight and it was God awful. Uh, And it's just, it's, it's sticking in my brain in a way this week that, that is hard to shake. Uh, I forgot to mention I threw a poll just who wins the main event. People, I'll leave it up for a few more minutes. Uh, who wins? It's right now, sixty-eight percent on Jones. Well, make it sixty-eight point two percent because I'm going with John Jones as well. Um, <laughs> I ain't, I ain't confident about it, but hmm. this is I've waffled like everybody else. I've gone from one side to the other. I've watched tape on both guys. I've watched old fights from both guys, and. I'm still torn down the middle. 
And it was one person, it was the way one person put it out there. Uh, and it has nothing to do with the technical breakdown whatsoever. Uh, the great New York Rick said this on No Bets Barred, and, and I just couldn't stop thinking about it to get me off the fence. If I had hypothetical money to bet on this fight, and you're giving me John Jones against anybody at minus 155, I'm taking it. And I'm taking it as fast as I possibly can because you may never get this ever again. And New York Rick said it, and I'm going to repeat it. If I bet one minus, if I bet on John Jones at minus 155 and lose that bet, I can look myself in the mirror and be like, all right, I lost, but I don't care because I would do that a thousand times over again. And that's kind of the breaking point for me. I do think John is going to be able to get Cyril gone to the ground. And if he does, and in my opinion, when he does, he is going to beat the hell out of Cyril Gaon on the ground. It is not going to be good. And one of my biggest concerns about John getting him down is that John is not your typical MMA wrestler. He's not a dude that's going to shoot a single or a double. He's not going to look like Colby getting takedowns. He likes to get into those clinches, trips, get those takedowns in close. And Cyril is so good in the clinch. He's a monster. He's a powerhouse. And then I went back and saw John in the clinch and I was like, holy crap, he's way better than I thought he was in the clinch. I actually, it's a stalemate. John might actually be better in the clinch, which is even crazier to think about. So that was my one big concern. Like John's ability to get takedowns, he's going to have to go into Cyril's wheelhouse to do it. But that wheelhouse might actually be John's wheelhouse too. But he just doesn't show it that much because he's just used his length so well throughout his career that he's just been able to rely on it so much and some of those great individual skills that he possesses we didn't really get to see that much but i think he's going to have to utilize all of those in this fight he is going to sorry okay he is going to have to mix the martial arts like never before (laughs) i think he will do this and john jones will it be the most thrilling victory of all time no but i think it will end with uh with some thrill because I think John Jones is going to finish Cyril Gunn at the beginning of the fourth round. He's going to get a takedown. Ooh, wow! And he's going to, and it's going to be one of those, mo- and it's going to be one of those moments where he's going to have to get it. And if he doesn't, Cyril might just beat him in the fifth because John's going to have to. John's going to take a beating to get to that point, and John's going to have to throw a lot of kicks against those massive legs of Cyril Gunn. And Cyril's probably going to fire right back. And if you saw one thing from John's physique. He doesn't have the biggest legs. Like he might be squatting and deadlifting a bunch, but those legs have not grown. Like they're not like big bulky legs that could just, it's like slapping a big piece of meat. It's just not like that. So eventually over time, I think that adds up, but I think John is going to get to a point where he's going to get that takedown. He's going to get on top of zero guys, going to beat the hell out of him with some ground and pound. He's going to get a finish in the fourth round. And if that doesn't happen, we might have a thrilling fifth round ahead of us. That's the way I'm looking at it. And I have no confidence, no matter how much of a journey I just took you on there, I still have no confidence in that pick whatsoever. I love love that you just mentioned the legs aspect of it because I'll give credit to the severe MMA guys. I was listening to their preview (laughs) and they had a great, I think it was Sean Sheehan had a great point, uh, which I had not considered, which is John Jones has been gone three years. What's one of the biggest sort of revolutions in MMA technique over the last three years? Biggest techniques to really come to prominence, right? It's the calf kick. John Jones 
doesn't have big calves even at 248 like he's just still with those two big legs like you said zero gone is one of the hardest kickers in the entire damn sport and you know there are going to be several calf kicks in the first minute of that fight coming at john in a way that john has never suffered those type of shots from anybody he has ever fought just there's so there's so many questions i love this fight i love this week so much there's so many questions and here's why i love it because we all went different ways with our picks but where on the confidence level, where do you sit on your pick? Because I'm at like 51% at, at 51.49 with my gone pick. Like, where are you guys on your on yours? No, I'm at like well below 50%. Confidence wise, yeah, no. <laughs> None. I I would bet no more than 30 cents of my own money on, on my pick. <laughs> well, That's Mike, how I will, confident I am. I will, you, so you said uh John Jones finish early in round, round four. Round four. Round four. Well, Take well, down. Round a pound. That's us on America. If you like John Jones at minus uh, 175 on DraftKings, uh, you'll love uh, the fight to end under four and a half at plus 125. You can get plus money if you're with uh, my best friend, Mike Heck. You think the fight will end uh, before the before the midway, midway point of round four. Oh, sorry. That would that, be before the midway point of the fifth round. So uh, plus 125, under 4.5. I don't tell people to gamble, guys, but uh, if you must, <laughs> please use DraftKings code, the MMA hour. Uh, I'm just saying. So that's intriguing. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. That would ruin Jed's bet because he's going to take the most electric bet of all time, which is heavyweight overs. He's going to do that in yeah. this fight. There's just no doubt in my mind. So uh, <laughs> we spent 43 minutes talking about this fight. And more. deserved more probably. Do more. Uh, do another but hour. There are, 100%. But there are other interesting fights on this card uh we do have valentina shevchenko versus alexa grasso valentina is a minus 600 favorite ak i want to start with you you are the prince of positivity mm -hmm. be positive about this fight like because i th honestly <laughs> i think i think valentina i think valentina shevchenko is about to catch a body i think she's <laughs> gonna like what she did to jessica andraj i think she's gonna do something similar if not worse to alexa grasso i just think her physicality is too much i think her skill set is too much and i think alexa and i'm not saying this to dog alexa grasso because i think she is a very good fighter and i think she's very good in a lot of ways but what she is very good at valentina is much better than her at and the raw physicality is just something I can't ignore in this fight. And I think Valentina is going to have one of those perfect game type of, oh yeah, you thought I almost lost to Tyler Santos. 
sorry, Alexa, look what's about to happen to you. It's going to be ugly. That's, I just, I haven't been able to convince myself out of that take at all. Uh, Mm -hmm. Can you convince me? of talking myself out of uh, that take. I, I don't know if I can convince you to pick against the great Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly, uh, I'm picking her to win. But uh, just this morning when I was, when I had the ear and the, the eyes and the brains of the great uh, Jose Young and uh, E. Casey Lydon, I actually asked them. But I didn't, there wasn't, again, listen, we can, I didn't want to just ask them to pick a winner. We're all picking Valentina. It was more, let's go Prince of Positivity style. And, you know, what do you like in the Grasso side? Well, how, do, how does she win? Like, let's picture her, let's picture the end of the fight. And Grasso has, you know, somehow has got the belt around her waist. How did we get there? Let's, let's reverse engineer a winning Grasso performance from there. Uh, and some of the things that came up, listen, she's a great, she's, uh, Grasso's a great boxer. I think that's the first thing most people would jump to is if this somehow turns into like a straightforward boxing matchup, then uh, Grasso has a chance. Not that Shevchenko has bad boxing. Shevchenko is also an excellent boxer, great boxer, great kickboxer. So it's not like, oh, it's a blowout if they had a straight boxing match. It's it's just sort of one of the areas that Grasso can, can excel in. Also, that Grasso's ground game is not, despite being known as a striker, it's probably a little better than people think. Uh, she she's she she had some problems with like some very powerful wrestlers down at 115, but she her ground game is not. She's not. Uh, I think I don't know if it was Jose or Casey that said she's not a fish out of water on the ground. She had that one. She just got that one submission victory against uh, Joanne Wood, and that actually was kind of indicative of the work she's put down there. So it's like not her first option. I don't think she wants to go down there necessarily and get into a wrestling match with Valentina. But if it does come to that. Based on what we saw with with, with Tyler Santos, and I'm not saying that Grasso's jujitsu is anywhere near Tyler's, but maybe, maybe wrestling, maybe trying to neutralize Valentina as opposed to sort of get into a firefight with her, uh, uh, could be beneficial to to uh, Alex Grasso. So for the second time today, we are suggesting if one fighter mixes the martial arts in the best possible way, uh, then they have a chance. But again, skill for skill, right? It's listen, Valentina has the advantage over pretty much everyone. Uh, at, in the 125 pound division, and I don't think that's that different with Grasso, unfortunately. But to end on, on a positive note, though, Grasso has—it's a great story. It's great that she's getting this title shot. It's not like—and I don't say that as in like it's like it's a pity title shot. She she changed weight classes. 115 wasn't working out. The cut was bad. Some of the competition was a little tough for her, and now she just looks so much better. She from from the first fight she was at 125, she looks so much better, healthier. It's where she's supposed to be. Uh, I don't know. I don't think this is necessarily her last shot at the title, um, regardless of what if she loses on Saturday. Um, so it's been a great story, and she's well deserved. There's other fighters that were in the mix, but uh, I'm glad it's good for her that they chose her um, because she was hyped up for a long time when she was coming up, and it looked like she hit a few bumps there. So people were definitely sort of losing their faith. So uh, no matter what, she can say she at least fought for a UFC title. And uh, hey, if she proves us all wrong, makes us like idiots, she can say she won one. Shaheen, I just feel like this is almost comparable to playing Tom Brady at Gillette Stadium after the Patriots lose any game at all. Like, that's that's what it feels like. You go into Gillette after you beat the Patriots, Tom Brady's about to drop 50 on you, and there's nothing you can do about it. You can prepare all you want. He's just going to drop 50 on you. And when Valentina has a performance like she had against Tyler Santos or a performance where people are like, eh, maybe she's lost a step, she carries that chip on her shoulder like it's like it's a souvenir that she couldn't be more proud of and i feel like she's got that look in her eyes in this fight i just feel i'm not saying alexa grasso could never be competitive with valentina shevchenko i just feel like the timing of this fight is just not on her side where are you at with this so 
It's tough because it's, I mean, it's not tough, but it's interesting to me because I can, if I, if you allow me for a second to play devil's advocate, I can see where the other side, where the argument can be for the other side, right? Because to me, there's two factors playing into it. Obviously, the Tyler Santos fight looms large. Uh, we haven't, just because we have not seen Valentina Shevchenko be, appear mortal really at, at 125 like that was really the first time we have ever seen her challenged in any significant way whatsoever and to me that that is something that's not nothing but also there's an element to this similar basically with the main event where valentina shevchenko has been in this for a sneaky long amount of time like she's been in this longer than you think she's been in this whoever's watching this like however long you think she's been in this she's been in it even longer she's going on year 20 like this right here is year 20 of her being in MMA. She predates everyone on this card. Her MMA career started before anyone else on this entire card started. She was before Jones. She was before everybody. She was before Rousey. She was before Misha Tate. Like she was in this in 2003 when I was still in high school, Mike. Like we were kids when Valentina Shevchenko started this. The fact that she is still doing this at such a supremely high level, 20 years deep, is frankly uh, like – unbelievable right like it's just like i can't think of a comparison for someone who's been able to replicate that level of success over that long of a period of time so if 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 you're on that other if you're on the side of hey maybe this is you know maybe we're starting to see a diminished valentina shevchenko i think there are points in, in in things you could pull at strings you could tug at to maybe support that argument uh i just can't get there i'm with you mike ultimately to me this feels like a a horrible stylistic matchup for Alexa Grasso. First of all, she is not Tyler Santos. The reason Tyler Santos was able to have success against Valentina seemed to be because of two things, uh, her, her strength, right? Her, her sheer strength and her wrestling. And, and Grasso has neither of those. Grasso will be, Grasso will be attacking Valentina at, at probably Valentina's strongest point, which is the stand-up game. Uh, you can try to box with Valentina. It doesn't seem to work out very well with a lot of different people. Also, too, the motivation, like you said, like I, I feel like Valentina has heard the criticism in a way that she maybe has not for the first time in her UFC career because there really hasn't been any as a flyweight of people saying, hey, maybe you lost a step. Maybe this division's catching up. It, it has been nothing but plaudits and people telling her she's this you know, overwhelming force and all of this for years. And now she's finally starting to hear the other side. And I can imagine for someone like her who is so – in this right like she is all in on the martial arts her entire life is martial arts and to be hearing that now for however many months it's been i'm sure she's coming into this more motivated than ever to make a point and, and have a jessica i type of performance where she's just head kicking the crap out, out of alexa grasso so for me it's just i can see the other side and i and there are certain arguments you could make that i would listen to and i would understand but this to me feels like it's going to be a classic one-way traffic valentina shevchenko reestablishing why she is the number one pound for pound uh, woman in the sport. If, if you believe she is, I still have a man of news, but that's neither here nor there, but just regardless, like I think Valentina Shevchenko is coming out here to make a statement. Uh, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is some sort of a first or second, not first, but I'd say like a second or third round finish for Valentina. Yeah. I'm with you there. AK or Shaheen. AK. Now I'm going to you. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I assume you're picking Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, does yeah. Alexa Grasso make it to the final bell? Yeah, I don't know if I see a finish, uh, but I do see, I'm thinking 50-45. 50-45, Valentina. Just, you know, she's a master of the game. She's she's just about that life. She just carries herself in the best possible way. Um, I Again, I really like Alexa Grasso. I think a lot of us do. Uh, but 
I just other and the thing is we couldn't even we can't even break out the puncher's chance thing i noticed we didn't even because it's just not something she does she's not like she's a great boxer but doesn't have a, like one punch bomb power so um anything can happen in may we've seen i think i always say matt sarah before he knocked out uh george st pierre either had one or zero knockouts in his career so and then so ever since and then after that became known as like a power puncher somehow um but Alexa Grasso, so it doesn't. The same thing can happen to Alexa Grasso. Could happen to any fight. Any fight. Anyone can step into that cage and, and wing a wing a, a, a meat hammer and knock someone out. But boy, there's a reason Valentina Shevchenko like that doesn't happen to her. She's been fighting for 20 years. She's fought whatever almost 30 times. She's fought in countless title fights. Um, she just doesn't make those kinds of mistakes and gets caught by those things. So it is going to have to come down to Alexa Grasso actually out fighting her, out skilling her, and uh, just simply put, no one at 125 can can do that right now. I'm including Aaron Blanchfield, uh, so I have to go just very commanding, uncontroversial, and possibly boring decision for Valentina Shevchenko. Rest of the main car, we have Jeff Neal, who missed weight by a lot. Uh, yeah. By four pounds against Shafkar Rachmanov. That's that's tough, man. 30%. Uh, Rachmanov still taking the fight. He understands what's in front of him, so uh, a lot of credit goes to Rachmanov. Matush Gamrod, Jalen Turner's a banger. Jamie Pickett versus the debuting Bo Nickel. A lot of eyeballs on that. But uh, Shaheen, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, you can only watch one of these final three main card fights, like the first three main card fights. Oh, man. I feel wow. like I feel like Gamrod Turner is, is, is the easy answer if you're looking for like a competitive fight. But it's hard to argue against Bo Nickel and even Shafkot, like just being bigger storylines overall in terms of where we're at in the pantheon of both of these divisions. But I don't know. You can go a lot of different ways with this. If you can watch the two title fights, but only one other main card fight, what are you picking? Oh my God. That's so tough, Mike. This is such a good card. I, I You're making me choose between my children here. Like if you would have asked me yesterday, I would have said unequivocally Shavkat Rachmanov versus Jeff Neal, because this is the, this is a proper escalation for this man. And to me, I view Shavkat in such a high, high regard. I think he is what a lot of people feel like Hamzad is to 170. Like a lot of people feel like Hamzad is the reckoning for this old guard at 170. I don't think that man can even make 170 really more than one more fight. Shavkat to me is the reckoning of 170. He is a future champion in this division. And I feel like it's inevitable. Like he, he has everything you could ask. He has the stand up, he has the ground game. And also just his name is Shavkat Rachmanov. If I'm telling you without you knowing who this person is, hey Mike, you're gonna fight a dude named Shavkat Rachmanov. Like, are you are you getting excited about that? Because I don't think you are. Like everything about this guy screams future dominant champion in the UFC. But after seeing the weight miss, um, going in a fight against Shavkat, anything less than 100% feels like a very, very poor situation to be in. And if Jeff Neal struggled with his weight cut and he's just not feeling all the way there going into a fight against this absolute savage assassin, like lose a little bit of its luster to me. I feel like I have a better sense of where that's going. I thought Shavkat was going to win already. Now I'm even more confident of it. So I will default back to where we started by saying Jalen Turner versus Matush Gamrot because I've been, I've been a season ticket holder for the Jalen Turner trade for a long time. Ever since I talked to that man, I think it was at the, the second Nate Diaz Connor fight. Maybe that one, it was one of those, it was around that time. And he told me a story about having, uh, you know, thousands of baby tarantulas 
break out of his his little tarantula home in his house and his mother that he lived with at the time just absolutely losing her mind and it's like how do you not just burn down that house at that point if there's just thousands of baby tarantulas just running around like that man lives true to his nickname and i absolutely love it uh if you're if you're gonna be nicknamed the tarantula go all in on it but I mean, God, I, I'm going to be Jed Mashu here, but like the man is a 6'2", 6'3", lightweight. Like it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Like he's not even, but he's not like James Vick with it either. Like he he fits his frame. Like he's he's such a dangerous person in there and he's so long and lengthy and his stand-up is just so ridiculously good. Uh, I am so, I've been on this guy's hype train for a while, but man, Matush Gamrot is is the full package right like you can there's no easy fight against gamrot whatsoever this is the perfect test for someone and we have been been begging and pleading and screaming at the ufc to please free up this 155 pound division like let some of these young up-and-comers fight some of these more established guys maybe this is an element to that gamrot still to me i consider him one of those up-and-comers but he's at least giving the opportunity to a guy like jane Turner who has needed an opportunity i love this fight so much more than the dan hooker fight because it means so much more in this division so if you give me one i want to see if jalen turner is what i think me and a couple and several other people in this industry feel like he is because i feel like this is this is one of the guys for the future of 155 and i want to see if he can pass this test because it's a hell of a test yeah, and most of the MA community, especially on the gambling side, uh, not feeling it. I mean, DraftKings, I think, has the best line right now. Um, Matush Gamrat, minus 170, but he's up to like a minus 230 in, in a lot of these books right now. Derek Turner is a pretty sizable dog, which is which is pretty surprising. But AK, are you, are you, are you all aboard the Gamrat-Turner train for this question? Or are you is it still – maybe it's still a Shafkot. I love I love Shavkov versus Jeff Neal. Wish Neal hadn't missed weight so badly. I mean, that to me just overshadows the the matchup. I mean, uh, Gamrot Turner is fire. But Mike, I'm, listen, I'm I'm going beyond those two options. You said any of the any of the other three main card fights. I am so fascinated by the debut of Bo Nickel. Um, I know it's being booked to be a squash match. I get it. They're thrown in there with Jane Pickett, who you know is a is a UFC level caliber fighter, but is fully expected to be smashed uh i would say he knows this except he had said at media day he didn't even he didn't even know that much about bo nickel when they got matched up which i thought was a little funny but anyway i i i mentioned this fight because i feel like at least in the coming weeks I, I guess we'll see where what direction um you know all the winners go in after saturday but i feel like in the coming weeks regardless of what happens in that main card opener with nickel and Pickett, that's the fight i'm gonna be talking about for a while um a lot of us have nickel pegged as someone who's going to be fast tracks to the middleweight uh, into the middleweight title picture if he delivers as expected, and I I, I fully believe that's the case. And I want to see like this is his fourth pro fight, I believe his sixth uh, fight in total. He's had a couple of amateur appearances as well. Oodles of of uh, combat sports experience, three time NCAA wrestling champion. So, you know, when we say he's only had six like fights, it, it undersells it, but yeah, six MMA fights. He's actually been in plenty of, you know, fights. If you, if you're, if you're throwing wrestling under that. Um, but, and, and also, you yeah, listen, if by some way, Jamie Pickett just let, Hey, maybe he pulls off a crazy upset. Maybe something weird happens. Maybe Bo nickel, uh, you know, uh, I can always say this example, stubs his toe, entering the cage at TKO five seconds into the fight. Can't continue. I don't know. 
if some weirdness happens, it's the fight I'm going to be talking about the most outside of the top two fights. Maybe even more than the top two fights if something truly, truly bizarre happens. Um, and also, if Bo- again, if Bonicle is as as advertised, keeps his finishing streak going, uh, I want to say he's never – as a pro, Jose mentioned has never gone past 90 seconds. And I think even as amateur, two minutes. I think two minutes is like the longest he's ever had to – it's taken him to finish someone. So if he keeps that streak going, it's going to have a lot of people talking. And it's going to keep me – on this this bandwagon because i'm fully on uh, i'm normally one of the people who's always telling people to pump the brakes when it comes to like like aaron blanchfield when she first coming up i'm like i think she's going to be a champion someday but let's relax um let's pump the brakes but for him i'm already like if he fought for a ufc title by the end of the year i would not be surprised and that road potentially starts on saturday so that's the one i'm i'm super super keen on i gotta tell you and this is gonna sound really weird to both of you guys but Jeff Neal missing weight actually makes the Shafkot fight more interesting to me. Oh. And here's why. Because Shafkot, to me, even if he beats Jeff Neal, like that's a great win. And all of us are going to be like, wow, this guy is as good as we thought he was. But the casual audience and a lot of other fans are just not really going to care that much. Uh, I mean, they'll care and be like, wow, it's a good win. But I don't think it'll get the pub that it probably deserves. But now he's fighting a guy who missed weight by four pounds. And we know how the UFC feels about guys who miss weight, especially on big events, especially on big cards like this. If Shafkat Rachmanov goes in there and just steamrolls Jeff Neal, I am very intrigued by the kind of matchup he could get next, the type of push he can get, which to me is actually bigger. And it's going to be, he's going to be pushed further up the ladder than I think he would have been had Jeff Neal made weight and the fight that I actually thought was going to play out, which which is tougher, a tougher fight here. Like, I actually think if the Jeff Neal who fought Bilal Muhammad shows up, even if he missed weight and fight Shafkat Rachmanov, Rachmanov's going to have a tough fight on his hands. I think he'll still win, but he's going to have a tough fight on his hands. But this guy, the guy we saw on the scale today, I don't necessarily think we're going to get that guy. So the chances of getting a wrecking ball Rachmanov type of performance is much greater than I initially thought it was. Plus he's doing it against a guy who missed weight by four pounds. And I think the UFC will, will celebrate that. Not really celebrate that, but they will, they will give him a little bit more of a boost because of that. So yeah, I am a little more intrigued, just more so for if Shafkat just goes out there and just steamrolls Jeff, finishes him quick. Dane is going to go up to that press conference and put him over like a trillion dollars. So, and that's huge. He goes up the ladder a little bit faster than I thought he would. So there you go. We'll see what happens. I'm still actually interested in that fight because I'm curious to see what Jeff Neal actually shows up. But there you go. I love that we all pick different fights too, like this card. So good, man. It's so good. And there's a lot of good prelims too. There's a lot of good prelims. I have one. I'm going to be negative all one thing. Uh, The Ian Machado, Gary Kanan song fight is the fight that makes the least amount of sense of any fight in 2023 this year. It literally makes no sense. I don't understand this matchmaking at all. Why do you say that? Why do you think that? Why do you say that? Yeah, I'm curious. Because like Ian Machado, Gary should not be fighting top 15 guys. I'm not saying Kanan song is, but he should be taking steps up in competition for each victory he gets. And to me, I feel like he's taking a big step. I think he's taking a step back. From Gabe Green. I, think I want to see something a little okay, more, okay. A little more appetizing for, for Ian. What's that? That that feels very purposeful and deliberate to me, though. 
like like if frankly because because frankly ian i don't has ian gary set the world on fire in these last two fights of his like i think a lot of the hype and the shine that was on him coming into the ufc off cage warriors has has washed off a tiny bit like who i don't know that a lot of people are talking about ian gary anymore and it's because those last two fights like he won sure and you know they were they were you can't take anything away from wins but i don't know that he was lighting the world on fire and getting people really intrigued into his road his future uh with those two performances i think the ufc is trying to give him a chance to go out there and put put the wood to somebody and really like get a nice finish and then get some momentum building back up because if you throw him into something right now i don't know that a lot of people are really excited for it like anticipating it yeah, but I liked. Uh, I, I I thought the Darian Weeks fight was probably a little more competitive because of the styles. Like Darian's tough, man. Like Darian's tough. Like a good step up for a guy as young as Ian is. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Gabe was like he. I thought he beat the hell out of Gabe Green. I thought that was like one of the best performances of his entire career. Yeah, he didn't finish him, but he beat the hell out of Gabe Green at on at UFC two seventy six in the featured prelim spot, like or in a big prelim spot. Like that's a huge. I'm still very high on this guy. I was just like, ooh, I can't wait to see who they're going to throw him in there against. I wasn't ready to go like a Nico Price or somebody like that, but I was definitely looking to go somewhere between Gabe Green and Nico Price and not between Jordan Williams and Darian Weeks because that's kind of where I feel Kanan Song is right now. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Kanan is just a world beater, but don't love this fight. This just feels like to me them taking, uh, letting him take a step back to then get the big escalation for the next one if he puts on like a really sensational performance. Yeah. But it's like, all right, now we're going to propel you maybe. to maybe I'm, an equal price it. or bottom I'm 15. for it. He, he, he's only 25 years old. And listen, if it's up to me, uh, you know, I, I'm Mr. Slow Roll. I'm like, I give him give him three more, four more song cadans, you know? I don't care. Like, let, let him build up there. You're right. <laughs> Mr. You're right, you're right. Slow Roll. Who that should have been the yeah. second fight. That should have been the second fight. Except, except for Bonico. the end of the year that, from Mr. Slow Roll. That, well, that tells you how high I'm on, on Bonico. That's that's why yeah. I, I, I'm so isolated on that fight because I never, I never like to say like, oh, well, this person's going to be a champion for sure. Um, but just based on what I've seen so far. And yet it's such a small sample that to make that claim is so crazy. Uh, but for uh, Ian Machado Gary, it's like, um, like I said, uh, uh, yeah, Mike, you're right. He looks great against Gabe Green, but it's just not a like. I don't think a lot of people remember that performance. That that's yeah, the problem. That's, like you're right, yeah. you're Mike. You're an educated man. You're you went you went to, Mike. You went to college. You're an educated <laughs> man. You know how great the fight is. If I ask the average, even the average MMA fan, hey, do you remember Ian Machado Gary's last fight? How to do? They like they might remember. Oh, he beat Gabe Green, but they probably don't remember the details. So it didn't it didn't jump out in the way that that they wanted to. And and for me, that's fine because like I said. He was 24 when that fight happened. He's 25 now. I'm okay with him not being able to finish a game green, right? Like, you're, you're right. The fact that he even won a, a, a really good decision is great for him. But for the purposes of resume building, highlight building, raising his standing in the UFC's eyes, you kind of need to give him these quote-unquote squash matches. And 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 with respect to Sang Kanan, this is a guy who has not fought for two years. They're, they're flying him in from China. They are outsourcing uh competition just to give ian machado gary theoretically what should be a a uh, potentially highlight real performance um so hey listen maybe it goes the other way and a song knocks out. i don't know but i understand the the logic behind the matchmaking if it if they are trying to push uh uh ian Mach- which they are which i don't know all right fair enough i mean i, I respect both of your opinions i just don't agree with either of you but it's okay. It's all right. We can't agree mm-hmm. on everything. Mm-hmm. 
if, if figures, figures the one did. thing we disagree on is, is is the Ian Machado Gary Kanan song fight, but <laughs> yeah. we agree on a lot of other things. We agree the rest of the card is from that point on. This card is really fascinating in a lot of ways, and even that fight in some respects, even though I don't love the matchmaking, it still tells more of the story of Ian Machado Gary, who who I, I like Ian a lot, and, and I'm very high on him, and I think he's got a very very bright future ahead of him in the sport so all right let's take a couple of questions here uh because we have just I mean, we're just knocking this out of the park let's bring in e casey Lydon, who hope hey. we just wanted to give we just wanted to give you enough time to rest your voice after that commanding intro <laughs> you gave us Casey. <laughs> I'm, I'm hyped i'm hyped Wait, uh... the bellator champion series is back in action friday may 17th live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the US. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. There we go. All yes. right. All right. Uh, you know what? On the, in, in, in the Ian Machado-Gary talk, I'm kind of on board with both, of you, both, both sides in the sense that while he should get a tougher opponent, I don't think this is the right card for it because – no matter what happens, it will be forgotten about. On a well, I mean, like this. I mean, that's that's a decent that, point that, because he's. I mean, especially where he's fighting, he's fighting on like. That, that's early, what I mean. It's not, it's not like a featured prelim. It's just he needs to finish. Card. He needs. He if he does not well, finish, that, that's what this, this is a showcase. This, is, this simply is a showcase fight. So unless it's a big knockout, that's the only way we're going to remember. Otherwise, yes. it's, it's just a payday and contract fulfillment for the UFC. But also, but also, it also gives them a better gauge of where he is. If he doesn't get the highlight reel finishes they're expecting, then that that lets the UFC know. Okay, well now this is yeah. again we we need to stay in this lane. We cannot bump him to a top twenty opponent, top twenty five opponent. And, and and also think about too, he wasn't like featured in the media part of the week. You know, he, he didn't come to the media day. He wasn't right. on the he wasn't on the uh, the press conference. So he's literally just a guy on the card. So the UFC basically the UFC isn't isn't giving him the patty push yet in, in that kind of sense, you know, at all. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just yeah. So I I, I kind of see both sides of everything. All right, to the questions. Do 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 do. Uh, do do do. Um. Did you get the question I sent you, Casey, on Slack? Yes, I did. I did. Okay. I know I know you did. I just didn't. Don't you give the little thumbs up, a little emoji? I read it, the little. All right, here we go. We'll go to the question. We'll go to you. No, you didn't. Oh, there it is. Would be the would be the bigger upset on Saturday, Grasso or Gone? Oh, it's Grasso by By a marathon. I mean, depending on my mind, should not be an upset if it happens. So a lot of people are saying like, oh, well, I shouldn't say a lot of people. John Jones fans are, <laughs> are pretty are pretty adamant. John Jones is not going to lose. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't be. Uh, those are not the comments I should be going by. But I think it's a somewhat fair question. If, uh, uh, you know, if, if you believe John is the greatest fighter of all time, believe him losing to anyone theoretically should be a massive upset. Um, so I, I actually I, I this is why I like this question, why I kind of picked it out. Um that that would be the case for me is is if it, maybe it would be how Gon does it if if Gon like knocks John Jones out that that to me would still be shocking 
Um, would it though? Any finish of John Jones, I think, would be shocking. Why, why, Dude, I don't understand but, why but he's yeah. such a, he's but such a great Who has never fought at heavyweight comes up and fights a gigantic he's, heavyweight like yeah, that. He, a knockout doesn't feel surprising. But it's not I like know, God, but God but, is not but, like crazy finisher. But, but just though. but just visualize. Did you see the tie to Ivasa fight? He's a, he's an excellent tie. Anyone who goes in there with tie is gonna have a chance to finish him. He's throw, he's swinging and banging. I don't know. I, but but real quick, I mean, I, I know you're saying yeah, logically. Gon can knock out John, but in your mind, can you see John laid out on the canvas of Gon, like yeah. on the cage going, He's, yeah, like that's what I, mean, I couldn't, like, I couldn't John see so, that until it happened with Fedor. I couldn't see that until it happened yeah. with Anderson. Like I couldn't see that until yeah. it happens. And, 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 and that's why, those, that's why it was, why it was world shaking. It was world shaking when Anderson lost. It was yeah. like, oh my god, I can't believe that happened in the UFC. Like the, the way he lost. You know, I, I know he'd been submitted oh. before. And but that when fight, Fedor, that fight feels like a 50-50 fight, whereas. If Grasso beats Valentina, that to me is seismic in a way that no, like we we just spent this entire show saying that's that's not going to happen. Like that to but, me is seismic on a different level. If but Grasso all those examples can, you just brought up, hold on, all those examples you just brought up, like Verdum submitting Fedor, that was seismic at the time. That was crazy. That that was such a, an, an enormous crazy upset when that happened at the time. So like I would put it along those. I, and I'm sure I don't remember the broadcast though, right? Like, that's, uh, of course, Fedor wasn't a light heavyweight career, light heavyweight going up all, and fighting a big, the, bigger man. Like all the circumstances different. But I think I don't think anyone is picking gone. Oh, not just anyone. I'm sure there's people who. Who've got money on it because I'm sure there's good odds, but uh, I don't think anyone's just expecting like gone to knock him out. Like John Jones, what is is one of the greatest defensive fighters of all time. I mean that that's that's unequ- that's one of his strengths. He's so great at adapting his opponents and, and being defensive, and that sometimes again makes for fights that aren't super compelling. Uh, Anthony Smith and Tiago Santos, Dominic Reyes, blah blah blah. Uh, but that that to me is is. If so, to tweak the question, I guess it would have to be a finish. If if Gon won a decision, yeah, that probably wouldn't be the most shocking thing. I think I a lot of us—that's pretty easy to kind of see it play out in your mind. But a finish, I think a finish, really at any point, I think any sort of finish yeah. would shock me. I I, be wild. I I agree. I agree with AK on that. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. That would shock and me. just to add to that, like the betting line, and again, I don't want to sound like I'm dumping on Alexa Grasso, but Valentina Shevchenko at minus six hundred in this fight. Maybe there is actually there is actually a case to be made that she has the most that Valentina Shevchenko is a minus six hundred favorite has the most value of any person you can bet on on this entire <laughs> card. Seriously, this should be this should be minus twelve hundred. Tyler Santos. If the Santos fight is not as close as it was, it would yeah. be minus yeah. one thousand. She, she might be making some people some money. Tyler Santos might be making some people a lot of money mm. in this, yeah. <laughs> this weekend. Minus six, I mean, <laughs> there's just so much value. There's just so much value. Even like Valentina wins this fight ninety-eight out of a hundred times, in my opinion. She wins it ninety-eight is, out of a hundred. That is what the odds say. You, you, man, we're giving Alexa Grasso the Jessica I treatment here. No, we're not. I don't yeah, think she's we picking. Are. She's just. This is a horrific stylistic matchup. Yes. Horrific. I don't. I mean, just. I you don't think so? Tell, tell me why. I'm picking Shevchenko, but I'm like four rounds to one, man. I think it's going to be actually kind of a boring fight. But I I just, I just think Grasso just isn't as good as Valentina. But I just think Grasso is hitting her athletic peak right now and finally just really coming into her form at 125. I think this is a – I think I, I'm expecting the best Grasso we're ever going to see, and I just don't think that we have the best Valentina in there at all. Well, to me, Valentina even yeah, at eighty-five percent is so much better than the best Alexa Grasso. Is that eighty-five percent? I don't know. We'll see. I, I, you know, I, you know what? I got Valentina's kind of trash talk this week. I got 
I got slight Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm vibes, like where I have to kind of <laughs> fake this anger, fake this in, in the Shevchenko way, in the Valentino way. I know she's not the same thing. The whole like, though. oh, I see her fears. I know her fears. I think she's I done that before, fears. though. That's how she always she, she, Yeah, she has yeah. done that before. Yeah, yeah I think that's not. Right. She did it before. She, yeah. she did it before. She destroyed Jessica Andrade. And yeah. did it before she destroyed Lauren Murphy, like. And then before she squeaked out a questionable decision against Santos. Yeah, but she uh, also I, had a broken I, foot and a whole bunch of other stuff. Like she had a whole hey, bunch going on. We're gonna see. We're gonna see. Yeah. I bet. I this, I bet. This to me, she Alexa Grasso is a very good fighter. She's just not great with fighters who can out physical her. Like, go watch a Tatiana Suarez fight. Yes. Like, that tells That's, you yeah. a lot of what at you're one, at I one fifteen five years ago. Five years ago, when she was like twenty three. So okay, it's, but it's, it's the same. But it's the same physical the same advantages. That's uh, exactly the same. We'll see. It's exactly right. the same disadvantage physicality physically that she had in the Tatiana fight. She's gonna have here, and that's the big thing. I, this is Zhang Wei Li, Carla Sparza vibes to me. Like she I'm might, okay. like that first I'm, round, yeah. she might have a moment or two. Like Carla looked good in the first round against Zhang. She lost the round, but she was competitive. Oh, Probably I didn't think Carla. I didn't think Carla looked good, but I know. I I, I, I see what you're saying, but I I didn't see it that right. way, but. But this to me would be as surprising box. as Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunes. No, Juliana Pena always. Ju, see, I, see, I disagree. Juliana Pena always had a path to victory, though. I mean, I didn't. I didn't. Thank God, thank God. Amanda Nunes. We're talking about Pena Nunes. Nunes has lost multiple. We're not going to. I don't want to crap on Amanda Nunes. No one outside of one man was. No, there was one guy who thankfully is not on this show. Thankfully, he's not on the show. You guys said it was going to be cakewalk. I picked Pena, but I was like, but I always said Pena has a clear path to victory. Just like when I said Holly Holm had a clear path to victory to beat Ronda Rousey too. There was a path to victory. Getting making that path happen is another story. And obviously, Pena uh, Nunez adjusted her game plan for the sec- for the rematch. But Pena- Nunez lost many times the same way she lost to Pena. That's how she lost all of her fights in her career. That's all. I didn't think we'd get so I know so, uh, wild about this question. <laughs> but I do I picked a good one? But, <laughs> I do I picked a good one? But holy crap! I, I didn't realize what um, uh, uh, Shaheen brought up about how long um, Valentina's been in the game. I did the math. Her first pro MMA fight was when she was 14. Yeah, man. That didn't make yeah. sense. I was like, what? Like 14 years Russia. old. Russia. Russia. Professional mixed martial arts. <laughs> MMA. Not like. It, it blows me away every time we have a Valentina fight because she predates all of these people. Like, she predates everyone. She has been in this for so stupidly long. It does not make sense. There is not a historical comparison. You're right. Yeah, that, I, 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 I 100% agree on that one. That's 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 just that's craziness. Uh, All right. It's it's Kyrgyzstan. It's Kyrgyzstan. When she debuted, Alexa Grasso was 10 years old. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Why Sony Alpha Adventure? Why do you believe that someone that looks like John Jones will have the energy to continue into the fourth? Fifty pounds of weight is a lot of extra weight on cardio. Makes no sense in my opinion. Okay. I mean, have we watched any heavyweight fight ever? What none of the heavyweights look like Francis? Come on, man. Yeah. But 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 he is suggesting again that this is a guy who's not a natural heavyweight who is carrying Mm -hmm. extra weight. So uh I, I have seen that 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 has been going around a lot for sure. Um, people talking about, especially with with John's kind of tiny legs, kind of thin lower, you know, frame. That's always been a thing, though. The later rounds, always so yeah. So oh, sorry, did you guys lose me there? My, I don't know if I'm frozen. Yeah, we, we lost you. Yeah, yeah. We, okay. we weren't. I am we weren't listening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. I mean, <laughs> mentally, you tuned me out. I meant yeah. did everyone else? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I was just saying, yes, the lower frame of John is a cause for concern uh, if you're adding on that. Because he, he is not a natural heavyweight. I, I know 
when he fought at light heavyweight, it's not like he entered at 205. He probably entered the cage, whatever, 220, 225. You know, he, he's up there. He's, he's a big guy. He's a big guy, always has been. But this is extra supposedly muscle. Uh, it's just ch- changing your frame a lot. And he's had plenty of time to adapt to it, for sure. It has been three years since the Dominic Reyes fight. But I do think this is a fair question. It's not one of my concerns, personally, because, again, I, I just think he's such a such a top-shelf athlete. He'll be, he'll be able to adjust. You don't think cardio adjust, is but- a concern? I think it is a concern. No, that's what I'm saying. I, I, it's not. It's not. It's for me. I, I think he'll be fine. I do think he'll be fine. But I'm, I'm fine with the question being asked because yes, oh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. not. A, no, he's me not too. A natural heavyweight. He's not a natural heavyweight. That's a fact. I don't no. think that, that is. A fact. I don't think cardio is going to be a concern. But I do think sluggishness is a very valid concern because I, I'm not going to repeat the whole soliloquy about it. But just the OSP fight looms so large in my head oh my because that God. was that the whole horrible. conversation. That was, that was the whole conversation for months leading up to that fight of. Look at all this size John gained. Look at all this weight John gained. He's been in the gym. He's so, he's such a big, strong man now. And then he looked terrible and slow in that I remember, fight. Remember DC was in the commentary? Because there's supposed to be DC fighting that fight. Yeah. But DC got injured. And, and, was like, and I DC could was like, oh, my film. God. I would have destroyed this John Jones tonight. <laughs> he, I would probably have, and, and he, he probably would have. have. <laughs> probably would have. Oh, like, oh, oh like, uh, Hex got a deal with his electrician. He's out of here. Okay. Oh, right. He said he was going to make it slick. He said he was going to make you, it slick. You said you were going to make it slick. No, it wasn't that. I already made oh. it slick. Oh, this you're is a different yeah. thing. Oh, okay. I made it slick like I made it slick like what we were talking about the John Jones Cyril Gone fight. That's oh. how slick that was. Uh, this is a whole different thing. Wife came home, dogs going bananas. So it was All either right. run away and let the dog in and mute myself or listen to the dog bark for the next 15 minutes. So um, no, you're you guys are both right about the sluggishness. But AK nailed nailed it on them. Like to me, the way I thought about it. This isn't John Jones lifting weights for six months before fighting OSP. This is John Jones who is getting ready to fight Francis Ngannou like on three or four months notice if he needed to, but then realizing that he couldn't do that even if he wanted to outside of just making a paycheck. And he spent another two and a half years trying to perfect this, mm. going ups and downs and mm. all that. I, well, did he we'll or tomorrow. did he spend we'll two and a half years trying to get right with the UFC about money? Yeah. And that's, that's just part sort of it. Now what we're telling ourselves is that he spent three years preparing when really he would have been doing this years ago if if not for the money. But he didn't. Now he is. So right. timing's yeah. everything, man. He was doing a lot of other things in those three years. We have records yeah. of it. He was doing <laughs> a lot of. He was doing all those other things ten years ago too. Like it's. It, we've had some of the greatest right, performances well, he's he, ever he, had he while doing that. It <laughs> he did escalate it. He did escalate it. Yeah, uh, it's a fair question. It's a, it's a, it it's a, definitely. No, the, it is a fair if, question. Once this fight goes past three rounds, we are all going to be like, oh, but we're saying be that John, yeah. but saying that John, who's been working on this for three years, making it to the fourth round and having energy makes no <laughs> sense. Is that's where I draw the line? Oh, it makes sense. It does. I, mean, I, yeah. I agree with the energy. I agree with the cardio and the energy point. I think he's fine in that regard. Yeah. I just want to see when he how he's going to start, how's, how is he going to take a leg kick from a real heavyweight kickboxer. Hundred percent. It's not even. Up. No, and, and that that's part of it. The other one is how is he going to how is he going to take it when he lands one against a mm-hmm. I mean against a slab of meat and that's a big weapon for John too. Like it's like kicking a just a rib roast that like the rock, the thing that Rocky punched in the freezer. That's like kicking that over and over again. So he's going to get leg kicked and then he's going to have to land some of his own to keep his distance and try to slow Cyril gone. He's going to be throwing him too. And that's 
damage bar. That damage bar is just going to lower and lower and lower. And that's why I think fourth round, he's going to be in a position where like, oh boy, I got to get him out of here or I could be in some big trouble. You're you're suddenly putting this horrible image though also of not just kicking a slab meat, but like if a kick gets checked the wrong way and we, he gets... Don't, he gets, don't uh, do he it. Gets, he gets don't. wide and silver too. I'm just saying. I don't wish that upon anyone. We're not able to call you the Prince of Positivity anymore. I didn't say one of them. I said we're discussing all the possibilities here. Oh, what is this? Your nightmare nightmare scenario here. Like... I told you the degree of difficulty of this card is very high. <laughs> there, there's a lot of POP is retired. That could go POP wrong. is retired. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm very positive. You're the prince this could of be darkness. One of the, this could be one of the best cards ever, but this could also be one of the most talked about cards ever for several wrong reasons. If if certain things don't play out in a in a nice way, so this is what this I'm is just what saying. John Jones fight week does to AKE POP to POD. I'm I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> Can't believe Never. Jed Mishu is Jed Mishu is now the Prince of Positivity. Yeah, don't say that. Don't say that. I'm gonna slap your little Prince crown off your head. Jeez. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right, we'll take we'll take one don't more question. Don't make Casey get physical. Got, don't make Casey get physical. He'll do it. We'll take, um, take one more question. I'll bring this question now. Uh, here we go. And not by the betting lines, just in your personal opinion. I mean, Same answer to me. Yeah, but Rosso? it's not even close. Yeah, yeah, it's not even close. Not, even not, not Nickel? Not, 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 not Nickel? Pickett? Not Pickett? Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. No, I would say no it's still it's still Grasso. It's still oh, Grasso. Wow. It's closer. Wow. For, me, it, for me, it's still Grasso too, but it, it's a closer if you if you include Bo Nickel. Certainly. But he, he I mean, Certainly. this is Aaron Pico, right? Like he's 3-0. and oh, Like but, someone this young, big stage, but, it wouldn't be the biggest, craziest thing. Hmm. All right. But, but, but. Aaron Pico was the wrong weight class, but that's something. That's another. That's another story. Well, also, he shouldn't have been fighting Zach Freeman in his debut. Yeah. But that's yeah. again, yeah, we're not litigating story. Bellator decisions here because that could go another two hours. <laughs> hey, we were excited oh. about that fight. <laughs> no, we were excited um, about Aaron Pico. We were not excited about. Yeah, the, all right, all right, the right. Moving on. Move. Um, so everyone agrees Grasso is still. If someone yes. gets their hand raised, that'll be the biggest shocker. Yeah. If we're not talking about betting lines and we're just talking about how we just, feel about certain matchmaking yeah. and fights, it's Grasso for me still. But it's close. But Nichols in the Nichols in the mix. He's the silver medalist, no doubt. Yeah. I get. I guess if 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 Nickel gets taken down and submitted, then that that would. Be, I guess it's how you lose. That would be wrestled. Yeah, out wrestled for three rounds. Yeah, he's just double legged. <laughs> maybe Pickett just picks him up and yeah, Matt hears him across the cage. Like Fire that'd carries, be, yeah. That'd be yeah. insane. That'd be something. Um, cool, cool. Do do do. Uh, oh, just because I deserve it deserves just a little bit. I know we've been going on on and on, but we gotta talk a little bit about this fight just because I like it a lot. <laughs> I I don't know what it is. Like I don't know what the betting odds are, but I would assume it's there's plus money here. So if I were to advise anybody on making a bet here, um, and please don't take my advice, but if I were to advise you. Uh, find whatever the Amanda Hebas by decision line is and put a bet on that. Because mm-hmm. I don't think there's probably enough value on her to bet her straight. But I would say Amanda Hebas by decision is probably like a, you know, maybe like a plus 160, plus 170. And I think she's just the better. I think she's just a step ahead of Araujo in a lot of different ways. Like I think, I think Viviani is a very solid fighter. Uh, she's solid at everything. But I think Hebas just brings like a little bit of extra juice to almost all of those aspects. And both of these women go to decisions pretty much all the time. Uh, and I feel like Hebas is better suited for this fight. So I think stylistically this one favors Hebas a little bit more. Um, 
So I think she wins the decision. But I think this, I think this will be a, like a good competitive I think, fight. I think the fight is what we, like what we expect this fight to be is what it's going to be. But I think Hebus is going to win. Plus one thirty, he bust by decision. Plus one thirty. Oh, there Ooh. we go. I, think, yeah. I like I like, I like, I like a lot in this fight too. So, um, but, all right, cool. And my question is for everyone else. Hold on, Casey. I asked. We oh, talked oh, about this morning. Hmm. For uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen uh, our boy David Sandine over here saying CrossFit Mike Heck new mythical MMA media member. I don't know if you guys have wow. seen Mike Heck's transformation over the last several months. Uh, if you go to his Twitter account, he posted some spectacular photos of this man working out. As hard as anyone can work out, I'm all here for CrossFit Mike Heck. <laughs> this man's looking jacked, fellas. Jacked. Literally in, in 45 minutes, I have to do the open workout, which is a nightmare. Uh, it involves handstand push-ups, which Ooh. I'm not good at, but I'm going to try. Um, on a wall, yeah. right? You get, your, your feet are on a wall, right? You don't, yes. Okay. I was like, geez. What? But I get dizzy. Oh, like, man, we, have do, we, have to, we have to do wall walks, which I could do, but uh, – handstand push-ups you have to actually like basically somersault yourself up the wall and i get dizzy like every time i do it and it just throws off my equilibrium it's sound. just weird i love it but casey's it, yeah. out here kicking ass yeah. mike's out here killing it in crossfit jed's about to run a marathon like <laughs> i'm still oh. the prince of positivity it's great well, hey, everybody's everybody's winning everybody's winning <laughs> You have to rerun, uh, AK. Let, rerun. I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you guys if if uh, if Hebus wins, uh, Casey and I, I talked about this morning. Uh, will she be ranked in two divisions? She should. Yeah. She should be right. Yeah. Because Arujo is our twelve, our number twelve uh, flyweight. So yeah, she has to be. Yeah. There you go. Two division threat, Amanda Hebus. It's happening. Is she, she going back to fifteen? As possible. I don't know because we, anybody can be. Yeah, yeah, we kept being told that that was her plan, but now she's just. I, I think she's she's just like she takes fights that are available. I don't think she cares. I really don't. She's think androgynous. She she's androgynous. She's androgynous, right and there's a, yeah, and that's a great way to live. Respect, respect. She's, she's, she's like androgynous smile instead of the mirror. <laughs> Androge has a really nice smile, actually. So I don't she's, know, I don't she know does. I'm, a, yeah. I'm, I'm aware she can smile, but when we see yeah. her fight, she's there are no smiles from Androge. Yeah, I see she's kind of okay. too little, too late. Too yeah. little, too late. Positivity. Oh, stop it! Don't let me throw a poll. Am I still the prince of positivity? Because it won't end. Do well it. For you, guys. you won't it won't do end it. Well for you guys. I bet you won't do it. You're uh, the You're current scared. poll we have was the same. Oh, by the way, same same results as this morning. Sixty six percent. Who wins the UFC two eighty five main event? John Jones. And this was a huge sample size. So very solid. Uh, Two thirds of the voters uh, are YouTube commenters. They're going with Jones. I can't wait. I'm just, I'm just interested. If this was, if this was John Jones versus Francis Ngannou, do you think that that's a fifty-fifty pull? That's a much much closer, much closer. Yes. You think John still? Wow. Okay. The size, this, the the sheer size of Francis, I think, changes the dynamic of it, and the and the death touch. Like Mm -hmm. we we all again, we know Cyril Gon's the number two heavyweight. It's it's a different feel than going in against the number one. I would feel more conf. I would feel much more confident in my pick if he was fighting Francis. You would feel more confident in pick, picking pick? Francis. I would pick Francis. Yes, I'd yeah, pick yeah. Francis. Oh, I'd feel okay. pretty good about it. I'd feel pretty good about it. Yeah, same. This one, I, I, have, I, agree I have no idea. This one, I have no freaking clue what's going to happen, and uh, and I'm all for it. So, all right, hit the music, Casey, because I just don't know what, else, what more else we could say to get you fired up for this. Um, 
ceremonial weigh-ins are happening in a couple of hours, so maybe that will fire you up. There's a very good chance it will. Apparently, our man Jose Young is about to have uh, quite the conversation as well, so stay tuned for that on our YouTube channel. That will fire you up. And then Casey and I will try to fire you up tomorrow at 4.45 p.m. Eastern Time, People's Pre-Fight Show, and then... We're going to watch the prelims together, and then you can join GC and myself, and we're just going to be fired up and keep you fired up during the UFC 285 watch party, 9.45 p.m. Eastern time. I mean, it's going to be electric. It's going to be electric. I don't know what to expect. Uh, I don't even think we're going to have gimmicks this time from Connor. And I said, you don't need them. You don't need them. The goat's coming back. So, all right. For AK, for Shaheed, for Casey, I am Mike Hack. Hope you enjoyed the show. Get some rest. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night, everybody. Love you guys. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.